Good evening, Knox. Um, today's scripture is John chapter 10, verse 1 to 18. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is now the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there sh shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful that you speak into our lives. We're thankful for this, your word, this story that you told all those years ago that continues to have meaning for us even today. So we pray that you would speak afresh this evening, that this story would speak into our lives as individuals and as a community, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and hands and feet ready to move and go as you lead. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
It's almost like Jesus could have began this parable by saying, very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the bank vault by the door, but gets in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the owner of the treasure. The bank manager opens the vault for that person, and Jesus begins with his attention getting, truly, truly, I say to you, and then he just sort of gets into describing this slice of life that everybody is aware of. In the same way that you and I, we get the idea of banks and vaults and bank managers, in the same way these people understand the lives of shepherds. It's almost no wonder that the Pharisees can't understand what Jesus is talking about because whatever he was telling them, it was so obvious, so unimportant, so very familiar and commonplace to not mean anything at all. Why is he talking about this? This first section of Jesus' parable, it just begins with the morning routine of a shepherd. In towns, the shepherds would get up early in the morning and they'd go to the sheep pens. They would be known to the gatekeepers and the gates would open and the sheep hungry and anxious for a day of pasturing would come out into the streets. Shepherds named their sheep. There'd be split ear and little tail and black spot and those sheep would probably fall, follow closest to the shepherd because they're his favorite. And they'd probably lead out the other sheep with them. Every shepherd called at least some of their sheep by name. Then, when all of the sheep were out of the pen, there would just be this mass of sheep in the streets. So many shepherds with so many flocks of sheep, all of them leaving at the same time to graze for the day. The shepherds would call, each keep calling or singing, and their sheep would know their voices. And the further from the town this mass of sheep got, the more and more they started to stream out into just lines, following after the dispersing shepherds into the hill country. No sheep ever followed a stranger. They'd run, run from a stranger and they'd go to their shepherd because they wouldn't recognize a stranger's voice. The first thing that I think we should notice tonight is what verse 3 told us. The sheep hear his voice. Notice it doesn't say the especially smart sheep hear his voice. It doesn't say the sheep who were paying attention that morning hear his voice. It doesn't say the sheep with theological degrees hear his voice. No, the sheep, all of them, hear his voice. That's something that I'm not sure we think about very often, at least not in the Presbyterian church we don't think about it very often, that God is speaking to us. That the Good Shepherd is able to be heard in our lives as a part of this flock. If you are this shepherd's sheep, you'll hear his voice. And what that sounds like or what that feels like, that's the part that's a little bit different for all of us. Some people, like Peter Sam shared with us this evening, some people actually hear God. Some people actually hear God speaking directly to them. Some of them even audibly hear God in their ears. Some people hear God through the words of family and friends, through word of thanks cards that somebody wrote for them at church. Still others hear God best in nature 
when they're out in creation and they encounter the beauty of God through his creation. Still others hear God best in scripture or in stillness and silence with that calm assurance that God is in control. And I think often Jesus speaks to us in the everyday and the ordinary. That's why I'm so glad that we started this faith and work moment tradition this Sunday. Because that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about for these Pharisees. This parable is that everyday, ordinary, boring type of stuff for the Pharisees. They know these things. But inside of the common, there is the profound revelation of God for them. And they hear it, even if they don't understand it. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. But Jesus also says that they do more than hear his voice. Verse 4 says that they know it. They recognize it. Hearing the shepherd's voice is meaningless if it's just another of many, many sounds. Jesus speaking to us doesn't matter if it's going to be drowned out by all the competing voices in our lives. If we can't say this thing that happened or those encouraging words or that scripture that came to mind or that memory that I just recollected, that was Jesus. If we're not able to identify those things, well, just consider all those masses of sheep, all leaving at the same time, hearing the songs and shouts of many shepherds, all strangers to them. Not thieves and not robbers, but not their shepherd. They don't know those other voices, but they know and they trust their shepherd's voice. I don't think it's going to be a surprise to you that there are all sorts of things calling to us too. Strangers calling out, gathering sheep for still other flocks. There are flocks of political ideologies. We know those flocks pretty well. And there are flocks of careful investment. And there are flocks of career drivenness. Flocks of educational excellence. And the list goes on and on. Each flock has a shepherd calling to them, promising them good grazing and protection from uncertainty. These are strangers, though, to the flock of the good shepherd. They are not thieves, and they're not robbers who tried to climb in over the fence. They're not evil, but they're certainly not everything that they've made themselves out to be. Knowing the good shepherd's voice for us means knowing the things that he would call us to and placing his leadership above all other desires and all other pursuits. Knowing the way that the good shepherd leads out and the things that the good shepherd promises to us. Knowing the voice of our shepherd means knowing the heart of our shepherd. It's truly getting it and being able to discern God's voice out of those many competing voices. So, the sheep every morning, day after day, have to tune in to only their shepherd's call, to the voice that they've heard over and over again and again that they know and that they trust. And in the same way, we are each faced with that same challenge and opportunity each morning to choose again the call of the shepherd whose voice we know, whose voice we've heard woven throughout our entire lives, 
Even before we knew his voice or understood his call, it was always there. It's the voice we've always heard. And we have to choose always and ever to follow him. Then this parable keeps going. As the sheep hear his voice and know him, as the shepherd calls his sheep by name and they follow him, then the shepherd leads them out. This image of the shepherd leading their sheep out of the town for the day and into the wilderness is what brings us into the next portion of Jesus' parable. You see, there wasn't much grazing land in Israel. It's a big desert. And so the grazing that's offered are just desert grasses. So following a shepherd into the wilderness was never a sure thing for food. And the further into the year you got, and the further away from the rainy season it was, the further you had to go out of the towns to find food. Jesus is telling this story in December. We know that because the next verse, verse 22, says that it was Hanukkah at the time. And so we can imagine with the Pharisees that the shepherds are taking their flocks far away from the town at these times. Sometimes they're choosing to graze in the same place for several days before returning because the trip was so long. And often if they linger in a place for that long, they need to find shelter in caves overnight in that wilderness. So Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd who sleeps in the entrance to the cave and keeps watch of the sheep day and night, who protects a flock in the wilderness in the uncertainty of the desert, who leads people to what they need for their life and ensures their safety as they come in and go out. While grazing may have sometimes been a meager affair, Jesus promises that the sheep he has come for will not be suffering want, will not be unsure that their shepherd knows the good grazing hills. They will have life and have it abundantly. His sheep, it even says, will know the freedom of coming in and going out in peace, knowing that the shepherd watches over them. They'll come in and know that they can rest and the shepherd keeps guard. And they can go out in the morning and graze and know that the shepherd watches from the mouth of that cave, always caring for them. So following the call of the good shepherd is not a risk. It's the promise of life, of the satisfaction of all needs and the overflowing of flourishing life. I think Jesus is the gate for the church, too. Jesus brings his flock to new hills to graze on, new places with tremendous opportunities for us to know the abundance of life. And he watches over us as we venture out into a world of work and life that is for our thriving, for our good and not our harm. Perhaps we go out tentatively at first, but eventually ever further trusting the watchful eye of our shepherd. And he protects each of us as we return each week to this community, return to this fold of believers for rest and rejuvenation for the community of others who have earnestly followed that voice, who have learned it well, and who know the joys of a life in his care. It strikes me that the life of a sheep is a life of complete trust in the midst of helplessness to change. Even if a sheep learned its way to one hill, to one valley, 
to one place where there was grass and water for what it needs, that place would so soon be bereft of everything it needed for life, and the sheep would soon be hungry and alone. Every sheep needs the shepherd leading it into a new unknown, leading the flock to the places where they need to be to get the food that nourishes them. I think we are all often the same way, and that the church is often the same way. We learn our way to one feeding ground, and we think we've got it set for life. We're helpless in the face of change and helpless to stop change as it comes. I just finished school in December, and this is something I've been wrestling with. I don't know what life without school looks like. I don't think I like that very much. And I think I really liked having like grades all the time and just like knowing I'm progressing well, right? Like these are good feelings. And I'm being led into a new unknown that I can't linger in anymore. And the church learns one way of doing things all the time, right? The church learns a way of doing things and we just wanna lock that in for as long as possible, right? We want a fixed rate mortgage, not a variable rate, right? Like, keep it the same as long as possible because we don't want to go to the next place that shepherd is leading. The grass might be running out and the seasons might be changing, but we want to cling to what we've learned when the call of the shepherd is moving on. Like good sheep, we're challenged to follow that call to know the voice of our shepherd well enough, to understand the heart of our shepherd well enough, to have the vision of the kingdom that he has promised to lead us to, and to be willing to follow through all sorts of places where it will be tempting for us to linger and always choose to be in pursuit of that still better country. For sheep on this journey with their shepherd, Jesus does not hide the fact that there are dangers in the wilderness that there are thieves and robbers and wild animals that just want to eat the sheep. And we seem to have as many enemies as the sheep do. There are powers in the world that do not want to see this flock grow, that do not want to see its sheep prosper. Where Jesus promises abundant life, there are institutions and systems and structures in the world that continue to threaten many in Jesus' flock with death and oppression, with a life of scarcity and poverty. The Good Shepherd seems to lead us ever onward into places that can be a real danger for us. Places that offer to nourish us, but also possibly to destroy us. Places that never seem to allow us to get too comfortable, to rest too easily. And yet his voice reassures us. We heard earlier in the series Psalm 23 as it reminded us, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? The psalmist says, because you are with me. Why is that comforting to the psalmist? Why does the presence of this shepherd overcome the fear of evil or of death. Luke 15, I think we heard last week, envisions the good shepherd leaving the 99 sheep in open country to search for that one lost sheep. Why is that okay? How is that an acceptable risk? I think in many ways, John 10, tonight's passage, is the climax of this good shepherd narrative throughout the scriptures. 
is the culmination and the explanation for this recurring theme of the shepherding goodness of God because it chooses to reveal the very character of the good shepherd. The good shepherd, it says, lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd reassures us in death's valley because we know the shepherd will sacrifice himself before we know any dangers there at all. Because death took him before it could know a victory over us and he took his life up again on his own. The good shepherd goes after that one sheep because he knows his own and he knows the value of each one and because he will stop at no length, not even his own life, to protect his sheep. And if the shepherd truly has authority over death itself, if that's true, then even the open country is no threat to the flock of the good shepherd. The good shepherd is good because when push comes to shove, when the thieves encircle and when the wolves close in, the sheep are making it out alive. Abundant life is the call of the Good Shepherd. His voice is blessing and his song is love. The Good Shepherd knows his sheep. Each sheep is called by name and the Good Shepherd knows what they need. The Good Shepherd knows you, knows your fears and your goals, knows what your best life looks like, and he promises to lead you into a kingdom where you will experience that life without end, if only you will follow his voice. And the sheep know the good shepherd. More than his voice, they know him. They know what he's like. They know the ways that he moves in the world that nobody else seems to move in. They know the place where he leads them is good because it's where he watches over them day and night. And this isn't some superficial knowledge or relationship. There is deep richness in it. The relationship between the good shepherd and his sheep, between Jesus and those who follow him, is just as the relationship between the father and the son. Verse 15 tells us it. Jesus says it. It must be true. And this is a powerful claim. Just as the Father knows Jesus, so deeply does Jesus know you. And just as Jesus knows the Father, so completely and so closely do we know Jesus. If Jesus has gripped your heart in any way, you know him. You know the ways that he's challenging you as he leads you and the ways that he's satisfying your deepest longing for the kind of fulfilled life that you were created to know. Jesus is the good shepherd. We're in seasons of change as a community. We've changed the look of our sanctuary and are talking about how the rest of our site fits into ministry in the next hundred years. We're renewing worship and thinking about how we facilitate more people's truest and fullest worship when we come together. And I know here at the 5 p.m. we sometimes think, yeah, that's, that's the 11 a.m. Those are the other people. These changes affect us too. These questions influence us. We're worshiping next week, if we're in the sanctuary next week, in the sanctuary at the 5 p.m. because we participated in that 
because that's ours too, and because one day, by faith, we might fill that place. This worship pastor thing affects us. The changes that are happening in this community are our changes too. And even beyond those things of the past few months, it's been a busy few months, church, we're engaging in mission in different ways. We're loving the city in new ways. We're serving the world in more intentional ways. We have been following a call as a community. The Good Shepherd has been leading us through the voice of our minister and our elders and the voices of each other in community conversations and roundtables and congregational meetings, in new relationships formed over coffee and connection time, and in old friendships stretched over change. This is what following Jesus looks like in our community. This is following Jesus in a church. And Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has been leading us into the strange unknown under his protection and with the assured promise of flourishing life. Pastor Paul opened this series by encouraging you to be a shepherd, that the church has always been called to be shepherds to other people, that everybody needs a shepherd, and there are seasons and opportunities in each of our lives where we get to journey with another person to shepherd them with love and care. So let me close this series by also encouraging you to be a good sheep. Be good sheep as you hear God's voice and as you know that it is his. Be good sheep as you hear the shepherd's call and as you choose to follow where he is leading. Be good sheep as you go out and come in in peace knowing the shepherd watches over you. Be good sheep and know the good shepherd and know the kind of kingdom he is leading us into even now for the sake of this flock, and for the sake of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are leading us, and your leading us brings us into change. Our community is no stranger to change, and each of our lives are experiencing change all the time. And so we pray as we follow you into uncertain futures, into strange places and new terrains that we've never navigated before, that you would always give us ears to hear your call, that we would know you so well that we recognize your voice as soon as we hear it. And we pray that you would give us boldness to follow, even when it seems like we're all right where we are that your leading would always be the greatest comfort to us. We pray these things in your powerful name. Amen.